0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Sabbath School. My name is Wendell Moses. I'm filling in for Tim. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of talking about you. We invite your Spirit to come. May he come in and guard our lips, guard our hearts and our minds, enlighten us. May we be enriched by the discussion that we have here. May we honor you. May we be ready for your soon coming. Amen. So the lesson this week, uh, in the quarterly, is with the rich and famous. Um, I don't know why I was chosen to fill in for Tim. Um, (laughs) But um, anyway, I would like to start out with Sunday's lesson, okay? Richly blessed. How do you feel about wealth? What you do with it? How do you feel about the rich or the wealthy? Uh, there are many examples in, in the Bible of people who were wealthy, some of whom were God's children. It gives a list in Sunday's lesson. It gives a, a list of um, texts to read. And then it gives a list that talks about Abraham and Joseph, Mordecai, I didn't think of that first thing off, Esther, Hezekiah, Josiah, Jehoshaphat. Um, In the reading that was talking about, it talked about Abraham, Lot, Joseph, and my favorite wealthy person, Job. You know, he had a lot of wealth. And yet, he was a, a god after—I mean, a man after God's heart. In the, bar- in the paragraph, it doesn't mention the the Job so much. Talks about um, the others. There, on the third paragraph of Sunday's lesson. In short, riches themselves do not indicate spiritual poverty or indifference. There have been some very pious and faithful rich people. Some pretty nasty and evil ones as well. Either way, we should not turn a desire for money into an obsession, nor should we despise those who are wealthy. They need salvation as much as everyone, everyone else does. What do you think about the idea of a wealthy saint? Do those two words go together?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not usually.
0: Not usually. When you think of saint, you think of the diminutive, shriveled, old, whatever. You don't think of wealthy, prosperous, whatever. Okay? Why is that? Are there any things that give you pause to think about wealthy and... Christian in the same in the same spot What about Matthew, 19? Matthew 19 Matthew 19:23 through 26 Jesus said to his disciples, "I assure you, it will be very hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven." I repeat it is much harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. When the disciples heard this, they were completely amazed. Who then could be saved, they asked. Jesus looked straight at them and answered, This is impossible for human beings, but for God, everything is possible. Now, this brings to mind a couple um, illustrations or explanations or whatever. Um in the Jewish mindset at the time, they felt that the fact that you were wealthy meant that you had been blessed of God. You'd been blessed of God because you'd been righteous. So if you were wealthy, you were righteous. And so the disciples were amazed. But that doesn't take away Christ's statement that said it was going to be difficult for the wealthy to inherit God or to, to be saved. There's a um, story told in the Apocrypha of how... No, brother, I haven't read it in a long time. Haven't heard the story in a long time. But it's, I think it's Peter, you know, and it's, it's kind of a story to work around this statement in which Peter comes to a guy on a camel who's very wealthy and he wanted to convert him. And the guy says, I can't be converted because, as you know, Christ said, you know, it's easier for, um, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for, you know, to be saved. And so I can't be saved. And so Peter, I forget what the story is exactly, but anyway, the eye of the needle enlarged markedly, went all around the camel and the man and all his possessions, and then collapsed back down, and um, so he, he was converted. You know, it's obviously in the pocket for a reason. Um, but anyway, what do you think about that? It's impossible by themselves. A wealthy person cannot get into heaven by his wealth, only by the graciousness of God as perfectly expressed in Jesus Christ. Um, Paul echoes that sentiment in a different way. 1 Corinthians 13, a text that we often like to quote. Um, let's see. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. I may give away everything I have. And obviously if you have a lot more, then you have a lot more to give away, and so it would mean a lot more, right? I can give away everything that I have and even give up my body to be burned, but if I have no love, this does me no good. Um... In the lesson, it talks about um, Nebuchadnezzar as an example of someone who is wealthy and went bad. He had known God, and then he kind of took the wrong turn. Just a question. Do you think more about money when you are wealthy or when you're poor?
2: I think one of the things that's, difficult
0: for people in our society
2: to realize is that all of us, by standard, if we compare with the rest of the world, we're wealthy. If, you know, almost everybody in this room, compared to those people in the rest of the society at large, we're wealthy. So... Okay. You know?
0: So, um, yes?
3: One of the... Yes. Do you think more of money when you're wealthy or you're poor? Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why there's such a stigma on the behavior of rich people is because a lot of people that are rich are rich because they worshipped the illusion of power from money and they dedicated their whole heart and soul to obtaining it and they ended up with the attitudes and the lifestyles that they have that are negative because they've worshipped the image of money.
0: I... From a personal perspective, okay? I went to college here. My wife and I um, had meager means, let's put it that way. Um, well, backing up even before that, in high school, I went to um, a boarding Christian high school, and um, the fact that I showed up there in the summer meant that I was poor because I had to stay on campus and work and try to work off my bill. And um, myself and the six or ten or however many other kids that were there, uh, that's about probably eight or ten guys and probably the same number of girls or whatever that were there during the summer, were in likewise very meager. There was no question. We were the bottom of the rung. And um, I used to dream of money. You know, it consumed me and I always wanted someone. I always came up about $500 short and I had a, uh, the scheme in which if I could just find a wealthy person to donate $10,000, I'd put it in the bank, I promise. And I'd then take the $500 of interest each year. That was in, you know, 5% or whatever it was that interest, etc., And, um, I would take that and make up for the 500 bucks that I never could make every year. You know, for my school bill or whatever. Um, when I graduated, my um, father came, and now I had I had been approached by the business manager at the academy, and he came to me. He says, "Wendell, you are working too much. You're making more money than one of my teachers." <laughs> now, that should not be such a, a accolation of how much money I was making, but rather what they were paying their teachers, probably. I was working more than 40 hours a week, all during my high school year. I worked two jobs, I worked at night, and then I worked in the daytime. It was from two separate divisions of the school, so they didn't know each, that I was doing this. And so, um, you know, I was quite proud of myself. And, um, I got to the graduation ceremony and my dad said you know he wasn't very wealthy he 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 worked for the the church in a very poor paying job and probably never did make minimum wage but um, he said here's three hundred dollars you think this will cover it and I knew I had him because I had it down to about a hundred and twelve bucks that year and i I had a I had largess you know I had Almost 200 bucks in my pocket, you know. And um then I bragged and I said, see, I got a 387, I don't know, 388, whatever, GPA. And I worked 40 hours a week or more than that. And he said, Wendell, I was valedictorian of my class. I had a 4.0 and I worked 40 hours a week every week the entire high school year. So anyway, um, but, you know, so I, you know, but I will tell you that I thought more about money during those years than anything else. I coveted, you know, in all holiness or not, you know, wealth, which I did not have. Um, this gentleman's comment about the wealthy, I, that was my next page. Yes. Real,
2: real quick, um, it, those who have experienced both ends of the spectrum of want and of, of surplus realize that on either end, you're simply trading one set of headaches for another.
0: Yes, very much so, very much so. We all are lost and we all, all need God's grace. Right, and listen to
2: Christ's statement that um, you know you, the wealthy can't get to heaven by themselves is that the poor can't do that either.
0: Right. Um, I had downloaded some some statements off the internet regarding "Am I rich?" Okay, I have three three separate things I want to read to you, and you could can kind of fill in your situation wherever you are. Do you have two thousand two hundred dollars of assets, not cash? is your car, clothes, whatever, add up to more than $2,200. If you do, you're in the top 50% of the world's wealthiest individuals. If you made $1,500 last year, you're in the top 20% of the world's income earners. If you have sufficient food, decent clothes live in a house or apartment, and have a reasonably reliable means of transportation, you are among the top 15% of the world's wealthy. Have $61,000 in assets. That's not hard to do, and currently with cars and whatever. You're among the richest 10% of the adults in the world. If you earn $25,000 or more annually, you're in the top 10% of the world's income earners. If you have any money saved, any, a hobby that requires some equipment or supplies, a variety of clothes in your closet, two cars in any condition, and live in your own home, you are in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. If you earn $50,000 annually, you are in the top 1% of the world's earners. If you have more than $500,000 in assets, you're part of the richest 1% of the world. Uh, The the second one was um, a few facts about income. And this is just a different list, very similar A a chart of U.S. annual income figures and where that income level rests on the world global scale of income. $1,000 a year, 44% richest people in the world. $5,000 per year, you're in the top 14% richest people in the world. $10,000 per year, 13%. $20,000 per year, 11%. $30,000 $30,000 a year, 7% richest people in the world, $40,000, 3%, $50,000, you are in less than 1% of the world have that much money per year, $75,000, .82%, 100,000, .66, 250000 and up, you're in the 1,000th of 1%. Richest people in the world. And the last one I have. um, Seven quick ways to know if you're rich. If you woke up this morning and realized you were low on milk. Before this evening, you will have a grocery trip to get a gallon of milk and possibly other everyday essentials you need for your family. If that's the case, you're rich. Number two. You dropped your cell phone in the sink. Oh, stink. That means that sometimes this week, probably today, you'll have to get to the store to purchase a new one. Number three, you have a pet in your home. Your pet is well fed, has access to veterinary care, and sleeps in a bed, maybe even yours. (laughs) Number four, if you have a car, it is out of gas, and you fill it up. You have food on the table, in the pantry, in the fridge. So much food that sometimes you throw out because you don't get around to eating it all. Number six, you have access to hot water for bathing. You sleep in a bed at night in a climate-controlled room. Number seven, you have the education to read this. You are reading this on a computer or a smartphone. You are rich. I um, had the opportunity of going with um, the Baptist Church in Cleveland on a mission trip to, to Cuba. It was a weird selection of um, opportunities of, of miscommunication, but anyway, they invited me and I went and um, they were glad that I went and then we got there and realized that I wasn't necessary, but anyway, I um, I toured OB hospitals most of the time. But anyway, um, I was there, and the infrastructure of Cuba is not the best, and um, frequently the power would go out. While we were there, we had the opportunity of having an evangelistic series in a home church uh, environment in which there's a a room about half the size of this one, and then crammed in it was a couple hundred people or 300 people or so, and they were just crammed in there. And it got dark, and it, so the lights, we turned, we, we went around and took one starter. I don't know if you guys know what a fluorescent light starter is. It's a little round thing. But they didn't have enough money for one for each of the fluorescent lights, so they stood on a chair and turned in and started that light, unplugged it to the next light unplugged it. and plugged it. We walked around and did, we started all the lights. We got into the evangelistic series and we're just about ready for the sermon to start, and the power went off it was black when the power went off the whole grid was off and it was black and it was like what are we going to do I reached in my backpack and pulled out a flashlight about that long it was one of these little LED things pointed it up to the ceiling and we had light for the next 30 minutes that thing was coveted (laughs) by many people in the room. And I was going to leave it there, but I realized they don't have enough money to buy the battery for it when it runs out. It would do them no good a week later. You know, talk about rich. So, um, is it money that's bad? No. Why is wealthy... Or why is riches a concern? Where do you look for solutions when you run into a problem? Is it your intellect? Is it your money? Is it your influence? Just think of the last time you had a problem come up in... How did you address that problem? Was it your physical strength? Was it your wit? Or your intelligence? Are any of these things bad? They aren't. In fact, I think God designed us to have all of those. Okay? It's... Where do we look for our solutions in life? Think about Adam and Eve when they were created. Did they have intellect, influence, power, physical strength, wit? I'd love to have heard Adam's jokes. Probably couldn't comprehend them, but that's okay. Had all of these things and that was given by God, but what were they given for? How does love work? Love works to work toward the good of another, not self. Service to others and praise to God. So what's the problem with wealth? Deuteronomy eight seventeen, 17. Um, Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. This is Moses giving advice to the children of Israel as they get ready to go into the um, promised land. And he talks about how when they get there, they're going to get cattle and sheep and, and orchards that they never planted and houses they never built and all this sort of stuff. And then, you know, how God protected them and, and whatnot. And it says, so then you must never think that you have made yourselves wealthy by your own power or strength. Remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you power to become rich. He does this because he's still faithful today to the covenant that he made with your ancestors. Never forget the Lord, your God, or turn to other gods to worship them and serve them. Then I warn you today that you will certainly be destroyed. And God is not going to do it. Okay? Anyway. All right.
2: Say that again. They're going to be destroyed, but...
0: God is not going to do it. He withdraws His protection power, and they will destroy themselves. Okay. Um, Does it make any difference in wealthy and rich and all that sort of stuff? And and by the way, the lessons about... Rich and famous. We spend most of our energy thinking about rich, and we don't think about famous as much sometimes. But anyway, does it make any difference if a person knows that they are rich or not? If they're rich, but they don't know it, how does it make a difference?
2: Based on the um, the criteria you laid out earlier, all of us in this room are rich, but we don't necessarily know it or perceive it. Appreciate it,
0: and yet we may live like we are because we do not have a need of anything. Correct. How about if you're um, rich or think you're rich, but you really aren't rich? <laughs> okay. I, I, I think I try to think, go through this process, and I was thinking about. What text comes to your mind? Revelation. Revelation 3, uh, 14 through 22. To the angel of the church of Laodicea write, this is a message from the Amen, the faithful and true witness, who is the origin of all that God has created. I know what you have done. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Verse 17. You say I am rich and well off. I have all I need. But you do not know how miserable and pitiful you are. You are poor and naked and blind. And that's me. I'm in that church. I advise you then to buy gold from me, pure gold in order to be rich, but also white clothing to dress yourself and cover up your shameful nakedness by also some ointment to pull on your eyes that you may see. Going back to Sabbath afternoons a lesson the um, memory verse Kendall? Yes.
1: Can I just make a comment? Wealth is like love. You can't hoard it. Anything that you receive it's not really yours. So the Laodicean people are naked because they are trying to keep rather than The principle of generosity is what makes it possible for us to receive from God. Why? Because it's not ours. It comes from God. Love is not ours. Wealth is not ours. Health is not ours. Intelligence is not ours. It's God's gift. And when we don't share it, we no longer really have it.
0: I like where you're going with that. I I think of a fire hydrant that's shut off. It doesn't get in more water until it opens up, etc. But thinking about why it happens that we don't realize that. We are very short-sighted. Only what shows up in front of us do we see. Um I think it's kind of like a person going down the river that goes to Niagara Falls. At some point, you're you're beyond the point. I mean, you're dead. You just don't know it yet. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Is wealth or the lack of wealth directly related to how much value a person places on wealth or money? Christ said that we will always have poor people around us and some of us are poor. Is that because they or we do not desire wealth? What is money? A tool. Excellent.
2: Just like a hammer, it can be used to construct or destroy.
0: So, money is a tool. It does not have moral value. How we use money shows what kind of moral values we possess. Okay? I'm always amused by this. um, We used to go to camp meeting in another state that I like very much, the camp meeting program, but um, you had to get a meal ticket before Sabbath because you couldn't use real money. And I just thought that Adventists had something against green, because what is what is what is money? It's a token of value. So what is this ticket that I'm handing into the person who is collecting my value and giving me food? It's vegetarian money, or yeah, you know, whatever.
2: They they needed that so they know how much food to make.
0: Yeah, but they wouldn't let me have food unless I gave them the ticket.
1: So they didn't make enough for you.
0: <laughs> okay. This was in a restaurant-like environment. I mean, we were... This This was a commercial... It wasn't an Adventist-run entity, so they were making food for many people. But anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah. But we got vegetarian money to, to give to um, these individuals. Anyway, so money is a tool. You know, I... Um, When I lived in Southern California in my medical training, um, we had a pastor at our church that belonged in the movie industry. You may know him. His name is Clifton Davis. He, um, he's an actor. He had a regular national TV, um, show during that time. And it was funny because the pastors always had this little assigned parking behind the church and there was all these cars. And then there was his little Mercedes-Benz. Um, with, and I forget what he had on the back of it. Uh, Glory to God or, uh, his license tag was a, a license tag that had something that was kind of neat and uh, very appropriate for a pastor. Um, it just, the, the Mercedes and the, and the license tag, it was just interesting. Um, he just finished, I don't know if you know this, but he just finished, um, on the stage with Disney's production of Aladdin. He was one of the main characters in, in that, um, production. He changed my thinking on who we become friends with. You know, his friends were all these movie people. And it became very evident that he didn't become friends with them to change them. He didn't go to Hollywood, set out to manipulate them and to change them into Christians. He became friends to get to know these people and become friends like anybody else becomes friends. Because he was friends with them, he had opportunities that I do not have. I always had this very negative outlook on Hollywood. You know, I'd grown up in the conservative South and I was not very close to power or wealth or anything like that. And I, I and here was this gentleman who epitomized Christianity to a population that I had no influence over. We should not use people for any purpose. When we are truly Christian, we will not use another person. It goes back to 1 Corinthians 13 that we read before. What is love really like? So, Anyway. Turning to uh, Monday's lesson, a nighttime rendezvous, it talks about Nicodemus and the nighttime visit. This is my question. And let me get to that, um, uh, if we can get this thing to work. Um, Monday's lesson. Hey, Wendell. Yes.
2: Uh, my own question, nothing from the net.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, a few minutes ago, the question was asked, uh, What? what is money? I think we did that. Mm-hmm.
3: The,
2: I'd like to ask another question. Where does money come from? Because Ecclesiastes 10:19 says that money is the answer to everything. And I like to throw that verse out in balance with all the other money verses that that we use. So where does money come from?
0: Uh, just to respond to the the statement of money does everything or solves everything or whatever. Mm-hmm. These are Proverbs. Are Proverbs always correct? <laughs> proverbs are Proverbs because they are generally correct. Okay. You're distressed by that statement. Mm-hmm. Say more.
2: I just think that verse typically gets left out of the whole discussion. Of you know the love of money is the root of all evil, and you know we give all the other ones, except we tend not to give that one. Uh, I think i'd rather be on the side that has the headaches from money than the one that has the headaches without the money
0: you know i I have more money than I, I do now than I did in college, but I can truly say that my life um, other than trying to get grades and trying to get in this, and wondering if I was going to do that. Um, is no better now in the worries and troubles and struggles than it was when I was younger and poor. I mean, it's different, you know. But now I, I question whether I have the technical skill to take care of something that presents to me and those struggles of how to do that well. Yes?
3: You know, I think the Lord gives us the amount of money that he can trust us with, okay. And as we, really, as we use the money well, that he, well, obviously he's the one that gives us the power to get well.
0: Who is that true for?
3: Everyone, everyone. And as we use our money well, whether we're an atheist or a Christian, if we use our money well then we can be blessed with more wealth, okay? And, you know, so it's, you know, I think the Lord looks at us and says, okay, now I want to give you more. Let's use what you do have well for others rather than just hoarding it for yourself, and then he can bless you with more. Maybe ability even to handle that.
0: I like lots of what you say, but the first statement that you said is God gives us how much money we can do well with or something to that. Uh, thing. He's
3: not gonna expand it possibly yes. more than, than, than you can handle.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: I I disagree. Satan also can bless people with ah. lots and lots of wealth. And there's a lot of people that use their money for not good things, but yet they continue to make more money and more money and more money off the suffering of others. So yes, maybe with Christians, God can maybe choose to monitor how much you make. Like Russell and I used to joke about that. We go to camp meeting and go by the really nice RVs on the hill, and we say, "Oh, these are for the people that can handle money." You know, <laughs> but in a non-Christian's life, there's all sorts of opportunities to make tons of money off the suffering of others, but you know their life is limited to this life.
0: Okay. Um, you know, I have this little... Have get my staff. Okay, go, go ahead. Okay, all right. Yes.
3: There are biblical principles of, of earning wealth, and a lot of those non-Christian people have learned those biblical principles they, I mean, they work for the Christian and the non-Christian, both. Okay, and most of us don't know how to get wealth.
0: Well, I, I, I guess I, I believe that everything comes from God. Okay, but that I don't believe that every, that God is a direct giver of everything that He thinks that I can handle. It's a uh, okay. Let's, let's go over here.
2: Well, I guess sort of to expand on what she just said, um, the money that I have left over and the money, the amount of money I make largely comes from the decisions that I make. It's not and if I make decisions according to those principles of saving not spending too much, and I can make different completely moral decisions that bring me different amounts of money. I don't I don't think that God just says, I think you should have fifty thousand this year. I mean, because a lot of my decisions influence whether, you know, I, I just if we live according to principles, then I think that influences how much money we have left over and how much money we make. More than
0: I agree, and almost entirely with that. My only concern is I'm not certain that everyone that has money, it was given to them by God. That's what I'm saying. Right. And so the original statement was, you know, a little more expansive than I feel comfortable with. Okay.
3: You can throw that out. Maybe I I would too.
0: Yeah, but um, I I agree. God has given us principles by which we, if we adhere to them, will do well. Okay. Um, I'm not. I'm having a bit of difficulty coming to grips with um and I didn't want to use names here, but um Justin Bieber just comes instantly to my mind whenever we have this co- this comment and um I think he was very gifted of God, you know, his musical talent and whatever and and if ever was gifted, I think. You know, he it he it was nothing he did or whatever, it was it was a gift of God and he has been able to use that and society has given him value way beyond maybe what was intended. Okay. But um it's also how he use it and to whose glory and 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 whatnot, etc. Um I was reminded this week by the headlines of how we all strive whether we are rich or not. Movie stars dying of overdoses and people getting put in jail because they had inappropriate behavior and everything else. And yet God blessed all these individuals with many th- talents and the, how they use them was not the, the way that I think God intended that they do that. You know, but... um I am not their judge, and I have to be careful about rendering judgment about moral values to them that I I don't have. Yes, I
2: think a good thing to mention is um, poor people who win the lottery and how it destroys their lives. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I've thought often about that. You know, I thought, man, just give me a chance. I would, uh, I would do so much better than so and so or whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a book out delineating. I think it was like the 30, you know, largest um jackpots and what has happened in the people's lives and and I don't think there was a single one in there that did well. You know, it's kind of unfortunate, but you'd think, really? I mean, and another person who um the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, last name is Young. Um he he just declared bankruptcy. Really? You know, $25 gone. And so I have to be careful, um, you know, whatever. Yes?
2: I think our issue here is that it all comes back to how we define wealth. And and there are televangelists out there that tell us you can be monetarily rich. Is that really what wealth is? I don't think so. Um, You know, you can be monetarily rich and be the most miserable person in the world. You have wealth. Its wealth the quality of life you live? Is that, you know, you know, your happiness level? Is that your overall understanding of God's grace? Isn't that what wealth is? And, uh, you know, you, you look back to Jesus, he didn't have a single, I mean, they bartered for his clothing. Isn't he our ultimate example? So really, what is wealth? His life was made up of giving to others. He went through towns, healing the entire town. So I think our problem is that we just have a, a misconstrued perception
0: of what, what true wealth is. Well said. Very well said. There's another comment back here.
2: Well, I
1: was just going to say, I think we need to also have sympathy for people who are very wealthy. Um, I, I'm not, so I can have sympathy for them. Um, because it's a tremendous responsibility and to have people knocking at your door and wanting money for this project and that project and, and all these charitable things that people want money for. I, I read once about a woman who, and I forgot what family she was from, Rockefeller or some big family, and she went to work every day at her office in New York, and all she ever did was philanthropy. You know, She had this inherited wealth, and so it was her responsibility to manage that and make the most of it I, most of us can't imagine that, but that's a you know maybe she would have rather been an English teacher or something, you know. <laughs> I would
0: have. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, there was a um, there's a um, we have caller ID on our phone, and just just letting you know that if you call from a long distance phone call to our house, and it says out of area, we do not pick up. <laughs> okay. If it comes through with a um, a number that with a name that we don't know, we don't pick up. We've had this frequent caller recently, and without giving it away, um, it, it, it's something we didn't recognize. And so the other night, about nine o'clock at night, phone rings. This entity. So last night, as I'm studying for this lesson on wealthy and famous and all sorts of stuff and feeling guilty about even the, what I have, um, the same number shows up on the phone and I, I'm and right in the middle of my preparation and it's distracting and I pick up and I thought, I'm going to get rid of these people, okay? And so I pick up and I said, you know, hello, you know. And there's a little pause while they kind of get, oh, someone actually answered the phone kind of thing. And and they um, came online. And um, it was an entity seeking donations of old clothes for the needy. And unfortunately, I was in the, the realm of reading my little <laughs> statement in my mind that I had memorized. And I said, would you please not call me again? And hung up. And I thought, Wendell. (laughs) (laughs) And if I had a way of calling back and talking to that guy, I would have called back and said, listen, you know, I do donate old clothes. and I do donate, you know, things to the Samaritan Center and other things, etc. And I'm trying to be a good, you know, manager of my resources, etc. But you calling me at 9 o'clock every night is not helping me in this, you know. (laughs) and I felt guilty for my response and I I wonder about that poor guy today wh- <laughs> what he thinks about this guy if he if he knows where I live you know and he does because he's got a map showing you know I mean that's why he's dialing me you know I don't think he's dialing the projects you know and um you know he he got this fairly I mean, I I didn't swear at him. I didn't use any bad words at him. But the tone was, please do not call me again. Please put me on your no-call list. And it's like, oh, my. You know, that was not a very loving response to that man. You know, and I think I have to be careful. All right. Moving on to Tuesday's lesson. This goes right into Tuesday's lesson, which says, uh, it talks about rich and famous. Have you met any famous people personally? Do you know them personally? You're shaking your head. You do? Cool. Do you mind telling us?
3: DannyJohnson.com Danny Johnson is um, America's number one um, silent mission uh, um, millionaire. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I've been on the many shows, and you know we've met her personally. We've been in her classes. We've done all of these things, and she—they're—they're they're multimillionaires. Okay, and they donate their money their their whole mission now is to teach people how to become wealthy so that they can give okay and you know they're they're rescuing the you know prostitute children and you know orphanages and things around the world okay and so you know, it's just exciting to see people like that who use their wealth to help other people get there Okay, for one thing, and then use their money to to bless the world to so, double
0: blessing i was I asked my wife last night, do we know any famous people? you know i mean i'm so bad with names um yeah, it's like who do I know famous i don't think I know any famous have I met any famous people and so I started thinking about having made famous you know i I lived in north carolina and and um I had to travel to New York, of um, I was going on to a medical meeting in Montreal or whatever. And so I flew to New York and then to catch my flight. And sitting next to me on this little shuttle flight, you know, I was in the single seat and this woman and her daughter, teenage daughter came in to sit beside me. And it was a movie star who, if I could come up with a name, you'd all know. She's a Maybelline or something, um, uh, model as well and she's on shows and all sorts of stuff and so you'd instantly recognize her if i could describe her too, but i have no clue what her name is um and um it was interesting she got on the plane with her daughter and both of them put on their faces over the next hour as we were um getting to toward new york that was a revelation to me as well
3: <laughs> um
0: but i, I do not know her you know we we met and we spoke or whatever but um I do not know her, um, I was sitting in the um, airport in mm, California Atlanta, I can't remember which, and um Kenny Stabler, who was a, a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, was sitting beside me in I instantly recognized because he was one of my heroes, you know, when I was much younger. And um, I said, "Do you mind signing an autograph for my son?" And he says, "You're old." <laughs> <laughs> and we had a conversation about whatever. And he had apparently come back for an old timers thing at the Oakland Raiders, and they had paid him to come back and whatnot. And he was spoke or whatever, and etc. You know, I'm just trying to think of the people that I would, you know, have ever met famous You know, I don't know them. I maybe met them or whatever. I was in, again, back in the high school days at Forest Lake Academy and I was very poor. And And so during the, the Sabbath, there was nothing to do. It was summer. There was nothing to do. So what did I do? So I'd go out and run, walk on the railroad track, you know, and just walk, 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 walk. And then kind of get over somewhere else and kind of walk back, you know, get back at night or whatever. And I was walking back. It was a little bit longer walk that day than I thought I should have taken, but whatever. And a young woman pulled up beside me in her convertible and said, Hey, you want to ride? I was like you bet. So I got in and she very pleasant and had a conversation and everything else. And she dropped me off the academy. And she said, where do you go to school? You know, do you have a local high school? No, I go to this. And she, She wasn't aware of what even the high school was and everything else. And so she came up, came on campus and dropped me off and then left. And these guys who were there watching me get out of this car said, do you know who that is? And I still don't know who it is. Um, She was this Miss Universe or Miss America or something like that. And she was a very famous person or whatever. Had no clue, you know, but I never knew her you know, know what her personality was or anything else. She was very gracious and whatnot. Um, so, you know, I just received an email from the Tennessee Medical Association. And essentially it was, please fill out this survey. And so, I trying to be the dutiful member that I started clicking. It became very evident that what they were wanting to know is, did I know any influential people personally? Okay? Did I know a senator? Did I know a congressman? And it, it said, where do you live? And so I typed in where I live. They they popped up all these people. It says, here's your representatives. Do you know any of them? Click the name beside any of them. Mine was blank, you know. And then um it went on to um, other famous people. Do you know? And based on where I lived, that supposedly I could have run into them or something like that. And do you know them, etc.? Implied in the questions were we cannot influence people we are not in relationship with. Okay. So we're going to have no influence over wealthy or famous individuals unless we are in relationship with them. Now I don't know about you but for me, that would take some work. For one thing, I can't remember anyone's name. Let alone, you know, who they are, where they are, what show they're on. Um, and so it would take quite a bit for me to go out to be a friend of someone because I'm not in those circles. I purposefully... Limit my little circle to things I'm comfortable with. That's work. And yet, in, um, in Christ's commission, he said, go into all the world, and he didn't leave any spot holes. Okay? And whether I do it, or you do it, or someone else does it, so, Somehow, someone has to fill those holes, and I don't think Clifton Davis can do it by himself. You know. Um, in, in Wednesday's lesson, we talked about is talked about the gold plated message, and and essentially, it was a lesson about how we how what we place value on. Okay. Now, I have bought several cars recently, in the last five years. That's recent in my life. Um, I bought a car for my daughter. I went online, car trader, autotradersomething.com or whatever, and looked up the car that I wanted, and found them within 500 miles. And finally, I found one that looked great. It, it, you know, the, all the pictures, the 22 pictures or whatever it was, were perfect. It was low mileage, whatnot. The price was very good. And so I, um, I bought it, you know, and had a car hauler haul it from Virginia down to my house. My wife, my daughter came home. She was ecstatic. You know, this is for me. And, um, it had a clean Carfax, you know, did all the research and everything else, etc., and so we took it into the dealer over in Cleveland to get it serviced the first time. And he put it up on the rack and was doing this and that and everything else. And he, he told my wife, he says, you realize this car's been wrecked? <laughs> it's been wrecked twice since, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but it, it kind of lost its shine when they told, when told me it had been wrecked. Now, if you drive it, you couldn't tell. If you looked at it from the the front side, inside, outside, whatever, it looked perfect, but its value was not what the value that I had thought it was. Now, it was probably about worth what I paid for it, you know. It's been a good car, other than being a magnet for other metal. Um, So, it came time to buy my son's car. And I had in mind what car I wanted to get him. And so again, I looked online and everything else, did the sense of the same process with one additional thing. And that is when I found a car in Tampa, I, um, I looked online and found a car appraiser and paid him and he went over and told me what the value was. And we bought it and it brought up and it's been a good car. It's been a magnet for bushes, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, it's um, you know. So the value you place on something sometimes is is different than what it really is, and I think that is often because of what we talked about before. How, where we get our values, what we, how close it is to our eyes, ears, or nose. Um, The fifth paragraph on Wednesday's lesson says materialistic persons, whether rich or poor, are in danger of sacrificing their eternal well-being for temporal pleasures. Um, You know, if you read Revelation 21 and 22, there's a new heaven and a new earth. And I think it's easy to be distracted by what we have right here and now on the short term and not realize how rich we all are. because where is our where is our citizenship? In heaven. Philippians 3:20 20 and 21, we, however, are citizens of heaven. We look forward to Lord Jesus Christ coming from heaven as our Savior. Through His power to bring everything under His authority, He will change our humble bodies and make them like His glorified body. That is a wealth unknown. I don't care what your salary was last year. If you're in union with Christ, you are rich beyond all imagination. Amen. 1 Corinthians 2.9 but it is just as the scriptures say, what God has planned for his people who love him is more than eyes have seen or ears have heard. It has never even entered our minds. There's a couple things that um, I, um, I came to a conclusion and was reading it through this week. And number one is um, the plan of salvation. That title, The Plan of Salvation, it was a plan. God was not caught off guard. All the Godhead were involved. It isn't Jesus against the rest. With all that has said. So, anyway, we are rich beyond all we know. Let's bow our heads. Most gracious Heavenly Father. We ask that you give us insight, that we be able to have eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to us. May we truly trust you, may we know who you are and what you are truly like and help be able to share those with who we have relationships with. Amen.